You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Talking the Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy, here with my co-host today, Joey Ikes. And the Combine Week is officially here. Uh, by the time this podcast hits your ears, we'll be about 24 hours away, uh, less than 24 hours away from the first uh, day of, of testing and drills getting going. So we got a lot to uh, touch on today. We got some Stephen Jones comments that we're going to start with first. But before we get going, Joey, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. It is uh, it's combine week, which is always kind of an exciting period of time for us to uh, for us to talk through, and um, and it's a uh, it it means the draft is it's coming and it's coming quick. And I'll just be frank, I got a lot of work to do before <laughs> we get there. Hey, same here. I hear you. I, I love the combine. Um, I know it's kind of gotten a bad rap over the last couple of years, just because you know a lot of people were. I think there's a lot of people out there who overvalue some of the stuff and then there's a lot of people out there who don't appreciate it so it's kind of just finding that good middle ground um i just think so much of what makes football players special nowadays is their athleticism and speed and twitchiness and all that stuff and back in the day i kind of understood you know hey we got to find the right football players you still got to right, find the right football players but man nowadays it's just like a lot of the times your best athletes are your best football players not always the case but more often than not the best players in the league are also really really freaky athletes and this week we get to figure out who's a freak who's a normal average old athlete and then who's maybe not the best athlete and normally again you can find the guys who aren't great athletes who are still good at football but uh Normally your 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 dudes on the football field are pretty freaky athletes. Yeah, it's uh it's kind of shocking the idea that like when you put 22 guys on a field and make them run and chase each other and hit each other and things like that that the guys who are the best measurable quantitative athletes happen to usually be pretty good at the thing where they run around and chase one another. So um, it's like you said, the athleticism matters, um, no matter what, no matter what anybody wants to tell you, it matters, um, for lots of reasons. You, you laid it out for one. And really for me, one of the things that's come down to recently is you have to have one physical trait that is significantly above average that impacts your ability to do your job on the field. If you're a wide receiver and you have a massive vertical, but you don't run a great 40 or you don't run a great straight line 40, but you've got a great three cone or a great short shuttle and you've got really great change of direction. Okay. You can win as a wide receiver with great change of direction or great vertical leap, things like that. Or you can run a really great 40, but kind of be stiff turning corners and you could be DK Metcalf and still be a really great wide receiver. You've got to have one kind of dominant physical trait that puts you above and beyond your competition on the football field. And that gives you a chance to be successful. And then once you have that and meet the thresholds for the other things, um, then you've got a really great chance. And one of the things that will happen this week is there will be a corner or a wide receiver or somebody who will run a very slow time. And you will see me on Twitter say, you cannot draft that guy. Because 
corners that run four six or four seven do not play in the league. And wide receivers that run really slow do not play in the league. Just because and I mean, unless it's, you know, you're 240 and transition to tight end, right? Right. But but you have to there's a minimum threshold for all these positions at all these all these tests. And if you don't meet those, then you're you're not a good enough athlete for your skill that you showed on the football field in college to translate. And that's what really that's what it really comes down to for me at least. We're going to dive into some of these thresholds and talk about some things that maybe these Cowboys are very, you know, they pay attention to in this this combine process, whether it's a size thing, a length thing, a speed thing. We'll get into that all here in a little bit. But I wanted to touch on and talk about some of the comments we got from Stephen Jones today at the combine. And that's, I mean, again, like, for people who don't know, which I'm sure you do if you're listening to this, the combine was like made for the medicals and made this time of year for teams to get around agents and start talking about free agents. Um, as much as we love the athletic testing and the drills, like that's what the combine's for, but it's almost like second nature for the medicals and some of these team meetings with some of these agents and, and getting together and starting to start that rumor mill. Um so we had some some quotes from Stephen Jones today. I saw you kind of talking about some of them on Twitter. I'm gonna let you let you start on and touch on some of these uh these quotes that I think got you a little fired up today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a whole conversation that can be could can could whatever be had regarding Stephen Jones and his status as essentially the grand poobah of Dallas Cowboys football and what that means for the Cowboys and where they will ever wind up being as a result of that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Stephen Jones. I'm old enough to remember 10 or 12 years ago, whenever Jerry Jones had the reputation for going out and going crazy. And he had just made like the Roy Williams trade and things like that. And everybody thought, Stephen Jones was going to be the savior. <laughs> and like he was the path to the future for the Cowboys. And now we've had 10 or 12 years where they've had two really, really high level franchise quarterbacks and accomplished almost nothing because every year, you know, the big joke is that is Stephen Jones favorite word in the English language is pie because everything is about having enough pieces of the pie and how you cut up the pie. And he's always worried about, you know, the salary cap and this and that. And there's the the legendary story, you know, about Jerry making the Dion trade and Steven like hold, holding him up against the wall, threatening him and all this other kind of stuff. Um, it is my personal belief that Steven Jones doesn't have the um, the state of mind or the general posture towards action that leads somebody to wind up achieving greatness. And they say, you know, we've had 30 years of, of lack of achievement. And the only things that haven't changed is the, the two guys from the Jones family that are at the top of the football org chart. Um, and the one who's had an increasing amount of power over that period of time and still failed is is Steven. So you hear Steven talk about, uh, you know, this is a draft show, so we'll talk about some of the comments he made about the draft. He basically said, and I don't have the quote in front of me, maybe I should have found it, but um, he said, going into a draft, you never want to be drafting for need. You want to draft guys that can jump in and play. So what he's trying to say is that you you want to draft the best player available. That's the you know the the fancy term that lots of media people throw around that doesn't really ever exist in reality. But you want that guy to be somebody who can jump in and play right away. So what he's really saying is, yeah, we want to draft a good player but only if he's at a position where he can come in and play. And he said in another quote that um, that Tyler Smith is starting to remind him of Larry Allen. So 
if a guard is the best player on their board at 24, are they going to pick a guard who's never going to play because they have Zach Martin and Tyler Smith at guard? No. Even if he's the best player on the board, they're not. Even if J.J. McCarthy is the best player on their board at 24, they're not going to pick him because Dak Prescott is the quarterback, and they just traded for Trey Lance. So no, they're not going to go out and pick the best player available. So yes, you are always drafting for need. Like it, it just every Stephen is like the the classic example of somebody who you know we've all been around people like this in our in our jobs, right? Our regular day to day jobs where they throw around lingo. And in my professional life, I deal with consultants on a on a decent basis, mm-hmm. uh, and they are famous for like just throwing out alphabet soup and jargon like up to their gills to, you know, to try to put position themselves as in positions of authority in a conversation. And that is what, that is Stephen Jones to a T every time he talks to the media. And it's stuff like this of, of this stuff where he's talking out of both sides of his mouth nothing he says really ever amounts to anything and the worst part about it is is that he's the guy making the decisions like he's the guy right like jerry is there and and jerry is still jerry but it's it's steven's team right now and that that fact scares me a lot yeah no i mean you know i saw you kind of talking about that on twitter and had some some people kind of chiming back and forth, you know, almost arguing, not arguing with you, but kind of like, I don't understand, you know, really what you're upset about, but it's like, I agreed with you. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't, like you said, like you can't tell us you draft best player available. Like, and they say that every year, like our goal is to go into the draft and dress the best player available at every, you know, pick. And sure you can use the CD lamb, selection is that years ago when wide receiver was still a pretty big need for this team and I hate when I continue to hear that use it's like well they'll do it they did it with CeeDee Lamb and it's like no they needed a receiver and he was the best player available at a major position of need so that's not a great excuse to use um but you can't tell me that when you're going into last year's draft. And and again, like I didn't hate the Mozzie, sp- Mozzie Smith pick when it was done, but you can't tell me that Luke Schoonmaker was your best player in round two. You can't tell me that Junior Fajoko was your best player in, in round four. Like they go into these drafts every year with a need, a pigeonhole need in mind because they don't participate in free agency. And that's the issue is like, we don't mind them drafting for need, but it needs to be a need where you can still take a really good player and not go, we got to go in this and get a nose tackle in round one or a tight end in round two. Like if they would just use the free agent or trade market enough to where they could go into it and be like, Hey, we have these three, you know, positions that we would like to target. If it makes sense, that's where we'd like to go, but they go into it with, such big needs on their team at multiple positions because they don't participate in one of the two biggest roster building, you know, things that happen in the off season. And that just makes, that makes, that amplifies their mistakes and limits their hits so much because of how they kind of conduct their businesses in the off season. Right. And to that point, Here's a quote from Steven today. Obviously, between Dak and Micah and CD, the salary cap is real for us. We want to do deals with all three of them. Do you get to do everything you want to do with the salary cap? I don't think any team does. But we're certainly going to go out and go to work and get the things done that we feel like need to get done to be successful. That runs – we have literally had NFL executives who – are in charge of the cap for their team and in charge of the roster for their team, come out and say, you can do anything you want to do with the salary cap. Any Anything we want to do, we, we can do. Over and over and over again. Teams with high-paid quarterbacks, teams with quarterbacks on rookie contracts, teams with elite players at a bunch of different positions, all that kind of stuff. 
we are beyond this conversation at this point, and yet the narrative he wants to push out there is pie because he wants to negotiate through the media. And I get it. It's part of his business. It's part of the way he approaches it. But it hasn't worked for 20 years. They've been getting bent over the barrel on contract negotiations for 20 years. And um, and here we are again about to do it with three more elite players where it's going to cost them $30 million a year more between the three of them because they refuse to do it the right way. But it's just – Jerry Jones made the comment about being all in at the senior bowl. And Steven comes back. He gets asked about it. Well, I've never known Jerry not to be all in in any given year. But certainly we've got a great – I think a great team put together. The last three years we've won a lot of football games, I think 36, and I think certainly where certainly where we have to improve is the postseason. And there's still – and now it is – this is talking time, right? This is not – action time yet we'll we'll see when action time rolls around in a week and a half or two weeks here are they really going to do the things necessary to fix the postseason problem because they they didn't seem all that eager to do the things on the coaching staff front right. that might would have helped the postseason. It's kind of problem. already you're right they've already kind of made the first move of like yeah we weren't interested in doing anything too different <laughs> and like and and maybe Maybe they were trying to do right by Dan Quinn by saying they wanted him back and really, you know, who knows. But either way, they waited super late in the process to be able to to be able to hire Mike Zimmer. And they it's not like they had a plan in place to hire Mike because they interviewed eight people and almost hired Rex Ryan. So it's they just haven't shown us anything that says that anything that comes out of his mouth matters. And that he really is all that interested in making the team better through any means possible. He he is like more than anything, he is like the perfect representation to me of like you know, Jerry has a rep, you know, Jerry is the salesman and the the hype man and the talk and all that kind of stuff. But like Jerry also like walked into the building and made like massive sweeping changes as soon as he bought the team, put a team in place and put himself front and center of it and did the work and made the moves and all that kind of stuff associated with getting the team to the top. And Steven just, it feels like Steven's just like good. He's like, Oh, we'll go and we'll go on vacation the first week of free agency every year. We'll be on the boat in the Bahamas and, you know, we'll, Jerry's always all in, you know, we, we've got to take care of our guy. We like our guys. There's, there's pie, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Steve, Steven just, the way he handles things, the way he approaches things and the way he approaches things behind the scenes, based on the whispers you hear and things you talk, you hear, you talk to people about. Um, they put me in a really weird place in terms of how I feel about this team once <laughs> Once Jerry's gone at some point in the next in the next several years, because he, you know, he's he's getting up there. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, like I said, for people listening, like we're not sitting here saying, hey, we totally disagree with drafting best player available, or we totally, you know, agree that you you can only solely draft for need. We're not saying and, and Joe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like that's not what we're saying at all. We're just saying that their approach to the offseason, as I said earlier, really it makes their misses feel really, really bad, and it makes their hits feel less impactful at times because when you do draft a Micah Parsons who has a you know huge impact on your defense, you still have a hole at nose tackle. You still have a hole at corner you still have a whole uh, here 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 because they don't fill those needs with players in free agency they can come in step in start for you if need be and then allow you to hit on a Micah Parsons and it really puts your team over the top they haven't made and, and let me let me rephrase that I think last year was the first year in a long time I felt like they did make those moves with Stefan Stefan Gilmore and Brandon Cooks I feel like that was the and they didn't do anything in free agency 
I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt because of how aggressive they were in the trade market with Gilmore and Cooks. But they did absolutely nothing for free agency, but they did add bigger players than they normally add through trade with Gilmore and Cooks. But I just, for one, you know, whether it's all in or not, I'd love for them to go into an offseason. I'd love for them to go to the combine and, you know, and again, whether it's negotiating through the media or what, but like, the craziest thing that I think Steven said today, and he said a lot of crazy things, was pretty much like, like if I was Stefan Gilmore and I heard Stephen Jones's comments today, I would not sign back with the Dallas Cowboys because they sounded, his comments today made him sound like that, like he was a four-year player on a rookie contract that came in and played like 20% of the snaps. And it's like, they just show no sort of appreciation for guys who who come in and play free agents it's just it's such a weird way they handle it but for me I just want to see them go into an offseason and and to them it would be considered all in but for me it would just be doing what 90% of the league does and that's use free agency to plug your and again by free agency I'm not talking about signing Jonathan Hankins for a million dollars I'm talking about going and spending the money on a Grover Stewart or a DJ Reader that's still not going to break the bank, but it might be seven or eight million dollars instead of one or two. And then you go in and bring in a veteran center that you know could start for you if you don't have a player fall to you in the first round. And then coming back and signing the veteran running back. We did this the other week where we signed, you know, some quality players at some of these positions of need so they could go into the draft and they could draft Jackson Powers Johnson or they could draft a wide receiver if he fall, if he's the best player on your board and you go, "Hey, that would be really fun to add him to the mix." An edge rusher that might not be a huge need, but if a Jared Verse or a Leatu Leatu falls to you, something like that. Like if if one of those big, you know, top fifteen players falls to you for some reason, you can add that player and then go, "Crap, we didn't get our center. We're screwed." But if you can kind of hedge your bets, whether with free agency in the trade, you can go into this draft and draft best player available at a position of need, which you hope you go into the situation with that position of need part not being four or five spots, you know, like one or two. It just makes things so much easier on your team building. It makes so much things. It makes so many things easier on your roster um, construction. And then you're able to go into camp. You're able to go into the season and maybe survive an injury or two. Maybe, maybe not feel totally handcuffed when Leighton Vander Esch, you know, gets hurt in weeks five or six, whenever that is, or your rookie third round pick that you really didn't have a ton of expe- expectations for, but he played well in the preseason gets hurt in training camp practice and then he's out for the year. Like they just, they never cover their bases like they should. And they consider, I guess they consider covering their bases as going all in, all in is going after Chris Jones or, you know, going after one of these Daniel Hunter or something like that. We're not even asking them to do that. We're just asking them to sign like two or three starting caliber players in free agency going into the draft and not pigeonholing yourself into one position group and then hedging your bets at some different areas that you know you might suffer some injuries at to where a Trayvon Diggs injury or a DeMarvion Overshow and Leighton Van Der Esch injury just doesn't cost you your season like we've seen it happen so often. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
Yeah, and there is an entire middle class of player in the NFL that the Cowboys have zero interest in acquiring. They will draft them and re-sign them occasionally, but they just have I no. I would say occasionally. I think that's often. Yeah, I mean, like they would rather they would rather pay Dor. You know, and again, I'm not saying that he's a bad player by any means. I know people are, but they would rather pay Dorrance Armstrong more money than a better player who didn't play for them. That's a free agent. Like I, I feel like if you ask Stephen Jones right now. Would you rather pay Dorrance Armstrong $9 million a year or pay – oh, man, I'm trying to think of a player to give you that's not – I don't know. Think of a player that's slightly better than Dorrance Armstrong that would cost you $8 million a year. They would rather pay that one more million dollars to the lesser player in Dorrance Armstrong. I feel like they would admit that to you to your face because they're familiar with him and that was the guy that they spent a draft pick on. Yes, that that and that is. There is a lot of evidence that exists that says that they have a legitimate, guaranteed money ceiling on what they are willing to pay outside free agents. Like, yeah, I did. The, I did the research. Yes, you, I, I knew. I knew. I thought it was you, but yes, yeah. you've done the research. It's been proven over and over and over again, like. They just don't go out and get outside players unless they fit underneath. And what was it, six million or nine million or something like that? Six point one million dollars, I think, was. What yeah, was and who know? Who knows if it's you know increased a little bit because of inflation or what? But I do not think it has. I don't think so either. <laughs> but that's what I mean when I say like they will retain Dorrance Armstrong for above that six million dollar number, even if there's a better player out there. Even if Leonard Floyd is out there making seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars a year, and they could sign him for three years, they would rather sign Dorrance Armstrong for three years for the same amount of money. Yes, Leonard Floyd is older, all that kind of stuff, but Leonard Floyd is also a significantly better player than Dorrance Armstrong is. That, and this is not a shot at Dorrance Armstrong, but they right. will do the same thing where. They will bring in a a J. Ron Curse for pennies because they can get him for pennies. And then once he's been here and he's proven to be one of those middle class of the NFL players, they will pay him like a middle class of the NFL player. But they will not go outside of the organization and say, you know, Frankie Louvu. You are not a star linebacker in this league. You are a good middle-class linebacker. We're going to pay you $10 million a year to come be a good middle-class linebacker because that's what good middle-class linebackers cost. We would rather pay, and this is not a shot at Leighton Vander Esch, we would right. rather play Leighton Vander Esch, who's probably not as good of a player, but he's the guy we drafted. We spent a first-round pick on him. Even though there's all the medical, huge medical concerns there, we'd rather pay him. And because of that, their team consistently has the same holes on the roster. How, how many years in a row have we talked about some of these positions being these? Oh. One, one of my, one of my, and again, like this isn't a shot at Will McClay, but one of my biggest gripes about this team is for half of my life. Offensive line, which again, I know offensive line is a broad spectrum, but offensive line, corner, and linebacker have been a concern on this team for like, again, half of my lifetime. <laughs> right. And the thing is, is like, there's middle class corners all over the place. Absolutely. That like are good players that you can go out and sign for 10, 8, 12. Seven, six million dollars a year that they won't touch. They would rather draft 14 of them who'd never play and who can't play. Now, granted, again, we got to give them credit. They went out and made the Stefan Gilmore deal. Yep. And they to solidify the cornerback position and essentially make that a non position of need in 2023. And they did find Trayvon Diggs and Deron Bland. But if you're going to put your eggs in a basket of hitting on a day two and a day three 
corner to be all pros for you, good luck. Cause that might happen once every five or six years, but you'll be stuck around with a lot of Orlando Scandrick and Gerald Sensabaugh and those guys playing for you for most of the time. <laughs> yeah. The basically the, the overall, the overarching piece of this conversation is the Cowboys have not done a good enough job using all three legs of the stool of, of player personnel acquisition. They have done a shockingly, to be honest with you, a shockingly good job in the draft. Yeah. They, they have done a job that, um, that most teams simply cannot match from a track record standpoint, especially in the first round of the draft. Um, then they have occasionally, not nearly enough, but occasionally utilized trades. Amari Cooper, I would have called that a great trade had they not gotten mad at him about a vaccination. Um, the Stefan Gilmore, Brandon Cooks, Robert Quinn, those types of deals are great deals. There are two or three of those deals out there every offseason that you can go out and make and add a Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore level player to your team every offseason. Yep. And it's like we all hate the Eagles around here, right? One of the things about the Eagles that consistently keeps them in contention is the fact that Howie Roseman is – terrified, and I've heard him talk about this in interviews, terrified that there is a deal that is out there that is possible to be made that he doesn't know about. Not even that not even that he doesn't do, like he's not going to make every deal, but that there's a deal out there that's going to get made and he didn't know the player was available. Like that's the kind of general manager – work that you need to be doing like that's what it means to be a general manager of a team that's trying to be all in to try to win a super bowl every year all in doesn't necessarily mean hey we're going to throw every possible dollar of cash that we can at this roster and manipulate the salary cap to the max or we're going to trade way up in the draft to get a, a you know a super high end blue chip player that kind of stuff being all in trying to win a Super Bowl is being involved in every single yep. conversation when it comes to a potential player who could be on the move, who could help your team. And I, w- I wish as a fan base and the media is what it is. I mean, again, like I think it's annoying when Cowboys fans get mad at the media for not peppering Jerry with these hard questions. Cause if you haven't figured it out by now, it's just not going to happen. But the way I look at it, and we'll, we'll kind of move on with some combine guys after this, is, is the way I look at it and the way I wish it was handled a little bit more this way is we do give the Cowboys for drafting very well, and I think for the most part they are a very well-drafting team. But if I do one-third of my job very well, I'm a bad employee. I'm bad at my job. Yep. And that's just the we don't think we we go, oh, the, you know, they don't participate in free agency, but damn, they draft well. And it's like, cool. Well, if I show up to my job and I don't participate in two of the three duties that I'm supposed to do, I get fired. <laughs> and again, they're not going to get fired, but we shouldn't clap our hands and go, good job at drafting guys when they don't do the other two thirds of the operation to make your roster good enough to go win a Super Bowl with, you know, average to below average coaching and injuries that everybody's going to deal with when you only use one third of the operation to build your roster and then wonder why it consistently fails. It's because you're not using the other two thirds often enough. And this was the first time in a long time we felt like, Hey, this team's got a pretty damn good chance to make the furthest run it has. And it didn't, but they actually used another third of the operation to add two high quality players to their team that had a lot to do with the games they won this year. So again, it didn't pan out. They didn't use the other third of that, but I just think as a fan base and media and sports talk radio, whatever, like I hear so much talk and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it too, of like, 
the team drafts really well, blah, blah, blah. We have to give them credit for drafting well. But that's still one third of the job. And if you're not, if you're only doing 33% of your job the right way or, or good, you're not very good at your job. Yeah, absolutely. I, think I, would, that's not, I would not get a raise if at my company if I was doing 33% of my job the right way. But I, I, cer- I certainly wouldn't have um, limitless job security. Right. Absolutely. And like I said, like, we're not saying that they should be fired because we understand that that's never going to happen. We're not saying that. But I want to pull my hair out when I just, like, like I said, like this time of year when it's all the talks. And again, like I get it, your fans are short for fanatic, but like all the talk is, oh, we sh- it's fine. We got to give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they nail the draft more often than not. And you're not wrong. But that is a small part of a big operation that builds a Super Bowl contending roster. And until they figure that out and incorporate the other two sides of things more often, you're probably going to deal with a lot of the same things you've been dealing with for the last 30 years. And that will be a big reason why. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. All right. Combine stuff. Let's dive into this for a couple minutes before we get out of here. Um, I guess let, let's start, you know, with the Mike Zimmer thing. You know, for so long we were so used to these big, physical, long cornerbacks. I don't think that's going to change a ton, um, but I do think that they might not be so relied on some of the arm length things and then some of just the height, weight, length um, aspects of some of these corners coming out. What, do you Can you think of anything – from a trait standpoint that they kind of have been pigeonholed and, and draft in certain positions at certain sizes or certain speeds that we need to pay attention to when these guys start working out in a couple of days. Yeah. I think they're going to be hunting um, bigger players in the front seven of the defense. Um, and Dan Quinn is famous for even before he got to Dallas the small linebackers who run real fast. Right. <laughs> it, what before he before he got to Dallas and turned safeties into linebackers, he was playing very small linebackers at linebacker in Atlanta and playing with small defensive ends, etc. They're going to be hunting true defensive ends, base defensive ends, and maybe they have. Chauncey Golston, and he's going to be one of those guys, and maybe Junior Fajoko is going to be one of those guys. And you combine that with what they have with um, Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons, and they don't really need to hunt guys on the edge. Maybe they're hunting more interior guys instead of treating those other guys like interior guys. But I think they're looking larger players on the front seven of the defense. And the secondary, I don't think there's that much size-wise that's going to change in terms of what they're hunting. I think in general, um, a lot of the size stuff that they've hunted in the secondary has been as much about Will McClay as it has been about going back to Chris Richard or Dan Quinn or whoever. Um, in that he feels like big, long corners make small throwing windows, and that's a good thing. Um and so I don't think that's going to change all that much. I think they're looking bigger on the defensive line and at linebacker. Um, and that may be really like the one legitimate change to what they're thinking about from a Mike Zimmer standpoint, at least from my perspective. What about you? Yeah. Um, the corner thing's a little interesting to me. Cause like you said, like I, I definitely agree that um, I definitely agree that Will McClay has, you know, actually spoken on some podcasts and stuff like that about like, yeah, this, you know, these are some traits that I value in these players. Um, I do wonder, like I said, from a size standpoint from some of these corners, because a couple guys that I can remember, um, Minnesota drafted Trey Waynes when Mike Zimmer was kind of running some things down in Minnesota. He was a six foot, 186 pound, a 31 inch arm um, length corner out of Michigan state. So, you know, that, I think 30 is 32 normally the kind of the. the I think it's like 31 and a half or something like that is like, I don't, I don't know their threshold exactly. I know there are people who have written about that, but I I don't necessarily know if it's, it's somewhere between 31 and a half and 32 is where they really like. Um, 
And so that is definitely, it is definitely a thing for sure. Yeah. But like I said, a couple, you know, Trey Waynes was a top 15 pick, you know, a sub 190 pound corner, which, you know, they, they love these bigger Eric Scott, Nashawn Wright, these, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 32, 33-inch arm, 200-pound corners. Um, Trey Waynes is a sub-190-pound guy, a sub-32-inch, you know, 31-inch arm guy. Um, Mackenzie Alexander was a guy that they drafted in the second round. He was a 5'10 corner, 190 pounds. He did have the 31 and 3-inch arms, but a guy who's, you know, sub-6-foot, sub 5'11", you know, still around that 190 pound mark. So that's something I'm kind of interested in. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious. There's some, there's a lot of tall corners in this draft class, but some guys who are, who are lighter, um, you know, right sub 190. Um, you know, I'm wondering if some of the arm length on some of these guys isn't quite as long. You know, there's a lot of the last year, it felt like there was a lot of like 5'10, 5'11 corners. This time there's a lot of like six foot, six one corners, but, you know, lighter in the, you know, not as light as a is a um the guy that wa- that Washington took last year the Texas A&M guy uh or excuse me the uh Mississippi State guy Manuel uh, Forbes yes yeah. um not as light as him but some guys who just kind of fall right under the the normal mark they normally draft so corners interesting for me I I agree with you like you know I I don't think this is going to happen but I think if there's a situation where like Dallas Turner and Jared Verse fell to them, which that's not – I don't I don't see there a way that both of those guys are available. But I think that they might value that size that a Jared Verse would bring over, you know, a smaller guy like Dallas Turner. Um, the linebacker thing that you brought up I think is huge. You know, the, the Jeremiah Trotters, the kind of undersized linebacker side of things, I think they are going to value that bigger, longer, more physical linebacker. And there are some guys in this class, you know, day two we've talked about it, that – that have that size aspect to them that I think there's going to be some value in. Um, let's talk about these receivers for a little bit. Cause I think that's, you know, a little sneaky position in need. Um, they've never really drafted like this, the 40 yard guy, you know, they'd never really had like a speed threshold with some of these guys. Actually, if you kind of look at it, it's like the slower some of these guys are, the more they like them. Um, but we, you know, we know there's some really quick, you know, guys in this class. So I don't know how they're going to change as far as that, that goes. Um, have you noticed anything from, from draft, you know, they've drafted a bunch of receivers over the last you know four or five years. Have you noticed anything about the guys they brought in that you kind of think they might pay attention, pension, pay attention to? Yeah. From a draft standpoint, they like their wide receivers, like six, one to six, three. They don't like the super tall, you know, six, four, six, five basketball style player, but they also don't like to draft the small guy. Yeah. They'll sign the small guy and undraft the free agency all day, but they don't like to draft the small guy. This is this is part of what makes me think that Will McClay's a little bit of a size guy. <laughs> uh, is that they they have this six one to six three type range, and there's a there's a weight threshold in there, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, and I can't remember who wrote it to go find it really quick, um, but it's like. 195 to 210 or something like like they have a very specific range size wise and you'll see guys like i think bobby belt tracks this stuff really well and um there's guys on on blogging the boys uh, that track this stuff pretty well of like hey these are the guys as they measure at the combine that meet where the cowboys like them to meet um and so it will be interesting to see how those those guys in that size range run because I think they do like guys with speed, but they like the guys at the right size more than they value the speed. And so you're not going to find as many guys that are 6'2 and 205 that run for – three nine or something like that as you are a 511 190 that runs four three nine it's well, just like physics. It's, it's physics you know like it, and so they i was gonna say i think i think size more Roma than they speed for sure i think roma dunze is probably your six foot three 215 pound guy who's gonna run four three eight you know four 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 flat, but he's going to get drafted in the top six. So exactly the guy, the guys who do that get drafted 
way before a team that is consistently as competitive as the Cowboys has the opportunity to draft it. Right. So that that's why they wind up with with just a shocking lack of team speed most of the time on offense is because they they won't go to the 5'11 guy who runs 4'35 or 4'38 or whatever. They will go to the 6'2 guy that runs 4'5'2, and that's who they'll play with at wide receiver rather than the other way around. Right. Um, are there any guys in specific that you've watched or have you know talked about or heard about that you think that you know, you're really excited to see not not from a Cowboys perspective, but guys, you're excited to see work out this weekend. I'm interested to see like, like Lad McConkey has been getting a lot of. I don't want to, don't know if it's praise or or really good press or what, but like, you don't get on the field and contribute as much at Georgia as he did as a skill player without being a pretty decent athlete. Um. And so, like, and then, like, a guy like Roman Wilson, who's in that, like, six-foot, 190-plus range, is he a guy who runs really well and pushes himself up the draft board? Is he a guy who measures in at – does he come in at 195 so we clear some of those teams' size thresholds? And then if he does, how does he run and all that kind of stuff? So – I think there's honestly, we've talked about this before. Everybody talks about this at this point. There's a ton of wide receivers. And so this, the combine is an opportunity for these guys to separate themselves, right? Who runs the fastest? Who jumps the highest? Who is the biggest and strongest and tallest? Um, and it's going to help us separate some of these guys who could all go in the same range. Um, Adonai Mitchell's the name, you know, like one of those interesting names. We talked about his teammate Xavier Worthy last week. Adonai Mitchell is going to be a, an interesting piece. There's just so many of them that it, that's going to be a really fun combine day to watch. Even though, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors and some of these other guys aren't doing anything, there's still so many guys that are top 75 worthy players that it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm really excited to see, you know, just kind of talking about some of those receiver thresholds that we were talking about. Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina is a guy who's, you know, 6'3", 227. He played 227 pounds. I bet you'll come in a little, you know, 220, 6'3", 220. Expected to run, you know, four high four threes, low four fours. You know, I think he's a guy who, you know, you, you see the contested catch and, you know, ball skills on tape. You know, there's there's not a lot that you like from a wiggle standpoint or a change of direction standpoint. But, man, you, you see a guy with his size and speed and you – you get really excited and you're kind of one of the rare guys we just talked about that, you know, he's got that six, three, six, four size. He's got that 220 pound frame and he runs fast. So, you know, the, a lot of people compare him to DK Metcalf. I don't, I don't really see that. Um, but I think he's a guy who can, can kind of make some noise this week. Um, I'm really excited to see Jalen Wright, the Tennessee running back workout. Um, I mean, he's going to fly. I think, you know, he's a guy that's, <laughs> right around six foot, two hundred, you know, twenty five pounds. I think he could run in the four threes. There's just gonna, there's gonna be some big, big, big dudes running really, really fast uh, this week. Um, it's some, like I said, position wide receiver, running back. Um, the, some of these corners, you know, a guy Quinion Mitchell, who you know is is kind of being starting to mocked in the the range that I thought he would be in, you know, a, a month or so ago. But you know, he's gonna run really fast, test really well. Um, Nate Wiggins is a guy who's who's probably going to run really good, test really well. So there, there's going to be some impressive numbers put up this week for sure. Yeah, it's uh, and and then there's always like you mentioned earlier, the combine started for the medicals, and and the you know the reason it's in Indianapolis is because I believe like right across the street from the football facility is a massive hospital complex, and there's something like. I think Dane Brugler said there's something like 300 MRIs given over the course of three days or something like that <laughs> to these players. So like it's it's a massive undertaking, and there will be every year there is a player who we're all talking about in the top 40 that right before the draft, between now and the com between the combine and the draft, or even 
sometimes at the combine you'll start to hear, you know, hey, maybe this guy might be dealing with a he might be dealing with a knee. He may not have any cartilage in his knee. Like he may be dealing with a knee thing that may cause him to drop, you know, stuff like that, that that's really what a lot of this is about from the team perspective, which is why Mike McCarthy and Mike Zimmer don't have to go. Right. It's because that's not necessarily what it's about for the teams. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Like I said, you, the medical side of thing is huge. There's, there's a handful of guys, your, your layouts are Lutus, your, you're Peyton Wilson. There's a ton of guys that, like you kind of mentioned, you know, are top 20, 40, 30 guys who are – medicals are going to be really big for them um, coming out of Indianapolis. This is actually the first time I actually have gotten credentialed to go to Indianapolis and couldn't get off the 9 to 5 to make it happen. We got a bunch of stuff we're kind of having to do Friday and Saturday. And I really was hoping I'd be able to make it to Indianapolis this year. Cause I've never been, I've always struggled to get credentialed for it, but was able to this year and couldn't swing it, which sucks. Cause like I said, it, uh, it's going to be a fun one for sure. It made me feel a little bit better today when I saw that Caleb Williams and Drake may and Marvin Harrison and Malik neighbors, some of those guys weren't working out. So I was like, all right, at least I'm not missing all the, the uh, blue chippers working out, but I'm hoping Hoping next year I'll be back and be able to take the time off and head down there to Indianapolis because it's always been a kind of a bucket list item for me to make it make it up there to Indy and and check out the combine. But uh, we will be back next week talk about some of these combine performances, get into some more position groups, and maybe get into some free agency talk as free agency is right around the corner. Like I said, combine is kind of last thing standing in front of the draft. We got the combine coming up here. Uh, this week, we got free agency coming back um, here in a few weeks, and then we will be on our way to the 2024 NFL Draft before you know it. So make sure you're tuning in. Make sure you're tuning in to all the shows on the Blogging the Boys podcast feed. We appreciate all support. Make sure you subscribe. Just click subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Uh, we will be back next week on the Talking the Draft podcast. See you then.